I'm thankful for our youth. We got an amazing, yeah. We have, a, uh, we have an amazing uh, youth group, and uh, I'm so proud of all of our uh, kids. Um, there's so much uh, that you guys don't get to see weekly that uh, I get to see, and how they're growing and maturing, and uh, I'm just so, so proud of them. So, all right, because everybody's been asking, uh, Nora is doing great uh, tonight. Um, she finally turned a corner. Uh, the two days were really, really rough. She didn't want to eat. She didn't want to drink. She wanted nothing to touch her lips, her mouth. Um, she was so swollen. Her lips were literally like protruding like fish lips. Uh, and we actually had to almost force feed her and, and syringe juice uh, down her mouth. And, um, and sleeping was awful. She didn't sleep uh, the first night, and she didn't sleep uh, well the second night. Uh, and so I held vigil with her uh, and read, uh, read books and prayed. And just while she just labored, it just felt like she was laboring to breathe, laboring to sleep, and nothing was comfortable. Uh, but she woke up uh, this morning, and completely, it was like uh, almost like night and day. Uh, she was kind of her old self again, um, and she actually had solids on her own, uh, and she had juice on her own today, which we didn't have to force uh, down her throat. So yeah, so thank you. So it's definitely one of those things, for those of you who are all parents, it's definitely harder to watch your kids go through, you know, you would rather uh, the pain on you. It's really, really hard uh, to watch your children uh, go through and suffer, uh, which really made me think of Christ. Uh, and, and, and I know we don't think about this part of it a, a lot from this angle, uh, but that uh, Father God had to watch his son suffer, uh, who didn't need to suffer, but he, but he watched it, uh, and, and he could have even stopped it, he had the power to stop it. I mean, if you had the power to take away your kid's pain, you would do it, right? But what, how about that, the love of you know, the Father for you, that even though Christ was suffering, and even though he was going to suffer uh, all the way unto death, that even Father God held back and allowed all of that to happen for us so that we could all be set free, so that we could all have life eternal, uh, and we have a lot to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, tonight uh, is kind of a special night. We're going to try to kind of fly through the evening, um, and we are going to fellowship afterwards, eating dinner together. So uh, I hope you all can stay. I hope you all can eat with us and, and celebrate and, and be thankful, is, um, you know, is what Chuck was even talking about. So tonight, we are going to look at uh, one chapter uh, of the book of Romans. So if you're uh, uh, looking for some scripture to get to, uh, Romans chapter 12. We are going to look at Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at the entire chapter. Uh, it was one of those things that I, I started, you know, picking pieces, and I thought, you know what? This whole chapter is good. Uh, we're going to have to read the whole thing and talk about the whole thing. Uh, one of the, the reasons, and Chuck actually said it, and I want to um, reiterate it, is um, there's a reason why we should be thankful. Uh, thankfulness changes our attitude, and I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that I can start going down that dark, depressed road when things aren't going well, uh, when life doesn't go the way that I feel like it should, uh, uh, especially, and I just felt this just a couple nights ago, uh, when you're watching, you know, your own child suffering and you're kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm frustrated because I, I, there's nothing I can do about it and I want to do something about it. And that kind of seems to be life sometimes. 
But thankfulness changes our attitude and, and thankfulness changes our thinking and thankfulness changes our, our heart, right? And, and I love that, that Chuck really put it out there. You know, if we're truly going to be, you know, followers of Christ, right? If we're gonna do this thing called Christianity, you know, one of the, the most important things, the most important attitudes that we need to take up is thankfulness. And the reason is, is because the enemy wants to drag you down and the enemy wants you to forget. The enemy wants you to forget. He wants you to forget, first of all, who you are, that you're a child of God, right? He wants you to forget who you are. He wants to forget who loves you. He wants you to forget about God. Forget about that guy. Forget about the guy up there. Don't, you know, don't, don't. Take any note of, you know, he doesn't care about, you know, all the lies. And then he wants you to forget about what Christ has done, about our salvation. If he can get you to forget about those three things, then literally a life of despair is is ahead of us. A life of loneliness, a life of depression. So being thankful is so important. But when we come to this place of thankfulness, when we come to this place of of accepting Christ into our, our lives, of acknowledging who he is and, and, and going down this road, there's, there's fruits of that. There's, there's a way that we should be um, uh, uh, reacting, a way that we should be carrying ourselves. And that's what we're gonna look at tonight. And again, I, I wanna explain to you that it's not a religious thing. It's not if we act this way, then God will love us. No, no, no. We talked about this a, a couple weeks ago. God has already extended his grace to you. Grace has already been given. He already loves you. He's already died for you. That, that, that is signed, sealed, and delivered. Done. You don't have to worry about it. So it should be in reaction to that, then we live a life of thankfulness. We live a life, and what I'm gonna talk about tonight, we become living sacrifices. We become the embodiment uh, of, of what Christianity and who Christ really was. You see, Jesus came not to uh, be served, but to serve, right? He came to, to, to serve us, which is amazing. It's an amazing thought because we think in our, our kind of human you know, uh, ways and we think of hierarchy and we think of kings and rulers and presidents and you know, bosses and CEOs, and we think there's this kind of this hierarchy and that, you know, I'm serving the people above me. Well, what happens when the person above you comes and serves you? What about that? Well, in turn then, I want to live a life of serving others. If the King of kings and the Lord of lords, if the God of the universe, if the creator of all came down and served me, and all of my needs and affected my entire eternity, then now I want to live a life this way, this kind of sacrificial life. See, before Christ came, you had to sacrifice an animal for your sins. You had to show, and by the way, all that did was, was cover it. It didn't take it away. And so no longer do we have to sacrifice things or animals to, you know, to, to cover over our sins. Now Christ has come. Christ has laid down his life. He has become the sacrificial lamb. And not only are our sins covered, but our sins are now washed away. We, are, we now become sinless. 
And so because of that, now I want to live. I'm not forced, and no one's telling me to do this, but I want to live a sacrificial life. So we're going to look at that in Romans 12. What does that look like? What does a sacrificial life look like? Romans 12, starting in verse 1. By the way, this is Paul the Apostle. He's talking to the church in Rome And um, it would just be like, you know, he's addressing us here uh, in Southern California. But it says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. And I just explained what that means. It means that in reaction to what I know Christ has done in my life, I now want to live this sacrificial life, which basically means it's not about me anymore. It's not about me. Verse two. Don't copy, so he, so he gets right into it. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way You think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this is interesting because I believe this is the battle that all of us have. It's the way we think about things. It's the way that we perceive the world, right, through our lens of experience. So let me give you an example. When I was seven years old, and many of you heard this story, but when I was seven years old, my my parents divorced. Uh, My father left us, and my mom was a single mom. She remarried. Um, and uh, uh, when I was um, uh, 15, uh, my stepdad and my mom divorced, well, and I loved my stepdad. He became like a, a second father to me. Uh, and then when I was 18, my uh, stepdad uh, took his own life, uh, and it just wrecked me. And to be honest with you, all I knew up until that point is people leave. That was the lens that I had had, that no, nothing good lasts. That was my perception of the world, and that was something that God wanted to change in me. He said, Matthew, I don't want you to go around with that kind of thinking, because it's not my truth. That may have been your experience, but it's not who I am. Matthew, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you, Matthew, because that was what I had felt. I had literally carried around, and by the way, it's something I still to this day, I can still feel, even when I'm talking about it, this sense of abandonment, this sense of at some point, all this is going to go south, and I'm going to be left alone again. This is what God wants to change in us, that thinking. That despite your experience, despite what the world has taught you, don't think as the world thinks. Because God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, uh, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Now, let me explain to you what Paul's saying. He's not not meaning to tear you down, but obviously there are people 
And, and by the way, back then, there were religious people who thought themselves better than others. And there were people in higher classes that thought themselves better than others. And, and now Paul is dealing with a church that is now embodying all these people coming together. So now you have different classes associating with each other. You have different people for, of religious backgrounds associating with each other. And there was still the stigma, right? There was still a, yeah, but you're a... Right? Jews hated Romans. Romans hated Jews. Poor people hated the wealthy. The wealthy despised the poor. That was all still there. But yet, they were gathering together as Christians. And so Paul's kind of reminding them, hey, do not think yourself above anyone else. Because for this thing to happen, we need to act as one body. We need to work together. There is no one in here, myself included, and I believe Paul believed this himself, there is no one, not one of us that is better than any other person, that should be above anyone else. We're all equals in here. Verse six, it kind of gets into it a little bit more. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it is uh, giving, uh, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it. Gladly. Now, by the way, this isn't a list that you, oh, I've got to fall into one of these lists and it's not up there and whoop, that must not mean me. No, Paul's just listing some things. In fact, if you go with all the scriptures, you could find all of these things and still I believe you would be missing some gifts that people have. But he's addressing certain things and he's saying, by the way, figure out what it is that you love to do and what you do well and do it with excellence. Not for you, by the way. Not for your own gratification, not so that you would be built up, so that we could learn, going back to this idea of serving each other, so that we could live sacrificial lives. I do this well, and so in, in part then I am going to come, become a part of this body of believers, and I am going to offer my gift to you, and I'm going to do it with excellence. If all of us, if every single person in this room have that kind of attitude, then we will build the kingdom of God here on earth. Amen? And every single one of you, there is not one person in this room that is unimportant. There's not one person in this room. I, I don't know what, you know, there's probably some of you thinking right now, I don't have any gifts. Well, that's a lie. And that goes back to that other thought, you need God to change your thinking. That is our problem. Our problem is how we think because of what the world has been trying to do has been pushing us down and breaking us down. And God is trying to build you back up. Every single one of you has a gift. Every single one of you is important, and every single one of you is part of the body, whether you believe it or not. Thank you. Number, verse 9. <clears throat> Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. 
When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. I love this. Paul's kind of getting to the root of things because to be honest with you, and I've seen this my whole entire life, and I've even seen this in church, we know how to put on airs, right? And I've seen it. I've grown up in church. We know how to act like everything's okay, or we know how to act like I like you, but I really don't. I'm tolerating you, right? And, and one of the things I keep saying, and I, and I really, I'm going to hammer this probably, you know, home until the day I die. I never, ever, ever want God's church, especially ours, to become a club. Because the moment it becomes a club, then that's exactly what it is. We're just putting on airs. And we're basically saying, there's a group of us who are more important than, this, uh, than another group. And that's a complete lie. So Paul's encouraging us, love people with genuine love. And I'm, I'm going to you know, warn you, people are going to irritate you, right? Because we're all different. We're not robots. God didn't create us all the same. People are going to irritate you. But Paul's encouraging you, love people. Love them genuinely. Serve them. Hospitality. And let me explain to you this idea of hospitality. It's not just putting on a party, okay? Sometimes we think of, of hospitality, and even in the church, we think of, oh, it, it's just putting up you know, nice tables and putting food out and, and taking care of kind of everyone's immediate needs. No, I believe the kind of hospitality that Paul is talking about and that Christ would, you know, would encourage us is that when you see someone who's really in need of something, and I'm gonna tell you right now, just about every one of us is in need of relationship. Just about every one of us is in need of encouragement. Just about every one of us is in need of someone looking past maybe the physical and saying, you know what, despite Whatever it is, you know, uh, that, that I may see on the outside, I know there's something deeper going on, and I want to help meet that need in you. That's hospitality. That's hospitality. I mean, it, it is the picture of drawing somebody into your home, your comfort zone, right, and serving them wholeheartedly. But we need to be doing that in our everyday lives, in our hearts, not just in our homes. We need to be drawing people into our hearts as if in our home, which is our private area, and we need to say, you know what, you are, you are allowed to dwell here, and I want to serve you wholeheartedly with asking nothing in return. Nothing in return. I want nothing back except to serve. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you, Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. (laughs) I like that. I like that he just adds that there. Don't think you know it all. Trust me. I, I, and, and I hope you can relate, but remember thinking when you, you were in your early 20s that you knew it all? Remember that? I know, I just, everything, it's all, you know, and then it's funny is as I get older, I start realizing I don't really know anything. All the things I thought I knew, you know, and you kind of come to this realization, you don't really know it all. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. 
Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I talked about grace a couple weeks ago. I talked about being thankful for it. And grace is that thing that is extended when we, when, you know, without being deserving of it, right? In other words, you did nothing to deserve this, but I'm going to offer it to you anyways. That's how God loves us daily. That's, how, that's the relationship that God has with us, whether you believe it or even are aware of it or not. God is always extending grace to you. He's already saying, I already love you. I already have a plan for your life. You don't have to do anything to be deserving of my love. We're the ones that walk around with this idea that, oh man, if I work really hard or if I act a certain way or if I talk a certain way or if I dress a certain way or, or whatever, then I will finally get God to love me and then he'll finally you know, invite me into the club and he'll find, you know, well, no. God's grace has already been extended to you before the day you were born. God's grace, he loves you. He has a plan for your life. So if grace was freely extended to us, why would we not freely extend it to others? I have great, my, I extend my grace to you despite the way that I'm treated by you, despite the way that I'm, you know, received by you, despite anything, I still treat you and I still extend grace because grace was extended to me. In fact, grace is daily extended to me by God. And so I daily extend it to you. That is how, you guys, we, we need to be in relationship with each other. And, I, and, I'm, and by the way, I, I want to go a little bit deeper with this. For those of you married couples or, uh, you know, couples in this room, grace, grace will get you very far. Because I'm telling you right now, living with someone is hard because you have two conflicting, you know, and everything. I mean, you know, one of our biggest fights sometimes is just driving somewhere. Because my wife thinks that I should go down this street, and I think, no, this street would be better. And then I go down that street, and you know what happens? And this just drives me nuts. I get behind some slow poke, you know, and, I, and she's like looking at me. She doesn't even say anything. She just looks over at me like, if you had gone the way I told you to go, man, oh. But you know what? But, but Grace says, go ahead. Go down that way. I'm here with you. We're going to go together. I finally stopped telling her, I'm not trying to get there faster, right? I just, I want to just take the way that I want to take, okay? All right? This is the way I want to go. And it's probably because that you want to go that way, so I want to go that way. But extending grace, you guys, we understand it in close relationship, but it's, it's something that needs, needs to be extended, whether it's at your workplace well, that's with your neighbors. Anybody got some neighbors that you're ready to choke out? Right? That you like, you fling your dog poop over there, you know? Anybody got neighbors like that? <laughs> I hear, oh, yeah. Grace, grace. 
You guys, we need to start learning to extend grace way more often than each other. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not perfect, and I need it. Bless you. So the second kind of point in this section right here is really forgiveness, which goes along with grace. Obviously, you need to, you need to start with forgiveness to extend grace. You guys, we were forgiven. We were forgiven. It's that story that Jesus told about the unmerciful servant, the one, you know, he goes to the king and he owes him a million bucks, you know, type of thing. And the king says, and he goes, I'm never going to be able to pay it off. And the king says, you know what? I, I, I forgive you of your debt. Your debt has been wiped clean. And then the same idiot walks out on the street and finds the guy that owes him 20 bucks. Oh, I'm sorry, Reagan bad word the, the bad guy the same the same you know what i what i really want to say <laughs> i love it when reagan's in here she keeps me on my toes uh but he goes and he finds his buddy who owes him 20 bucks and he demands that he pays it up he just was forgiven his great debt and yet he's demanding that his friend pay up who does that, right? Somebody who doesn't understand forgiveness. Somebody who doesn't understand grace. I hope that we don't, we aren't like that. I hope that that's not how we treat each other. That we constantly remind, and this goes back to what Chuck said, we're constantly thankful for our salvation and thankful for the grace and mercy that has been extended into our lives. And because of that, then we live in such a way that we are reflections of Christ with everybody that we come in contact with. That's the kind of church that I want us to be, and that's the kind of church Christ wants us to be. Amen? Amen. Can we pray? Chris, you come on up, or worship team, you guys can come on up. To our last song, but Father God, may we remind ourselves how important it is to be thankful to you for our salvation, thankful for the grace that is constant, constantly extended into our lives. Lord, may we not be like that unmerciful servant who even though was forgiven a great debt, we still can't learn to forgive others. Still can't learn to love others. So Lord, our prayer, and this is my prayer, and I hope it's your prayer, but our prayer is that we would become living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. That in our everyday walk, in our reacting with each other, whether it's with our spouses, with our loved ones, with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our coworkers, or with that person that really irritates me, that I would learn to forgive and I would learn to extend grace because those two things have been given to me. So Lord, we're thankful. And that's what we're thankful for. So in showing our gratitude to you, Lord God, Lord, we offer up ourselves as living sacrifices. 
so that when people see us, they see Christ. While everyone's head is bowed and everyone's eyes closed and kind of the privacy of this moment, I want to ask this one question. You have never, ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, and you want that forgiveness. You want that grace extended to you. You see, it's a free gift. It's been offered to us freely. All we have to do is receive it. In fact, the Bible says all we have to do is believe. He would say, you know what? It's something that I've been struggling with. It's something that I, I'm, I, for the longest time, even though I may have believed in God, I wasn't sure if God even cared about me, even loved me, that he was up there with a baseball bat ready for me to really mess up so he can just take me. That's not who God is. You see, God wants to change your thinking about him. He's already extended his love to you. All you have to do is receive. If you would like to receive that tonight, if you would say, you know what? I want to receive his love. I want to receive that salvation. I want to receive his grace tonight. We just simply lift your hand up. This is the very first time, or maybe it's been a really, really long time. But you would just say, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. I want to receive that. I don't want to walk. I don't want to spend another day in this darkness, in this depression, in this loneliness, in this separation. Well, Lord, we thank you. We worship you. Lord, we praise your holy name. Lord, help us to live showing how thankful we are. Lord, not because of religious reasons, not because that we're told to act a certain way, but we're doing it out of gratitude for what you have done for us.